上了。Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez in The Electric Mayhem. <laughs> Today, we continue our mini-series on the Muppet franchise with their first sequel, the 1981 British crime film, The Great Muppet Caper. And we have a guest joining us to talk about high fashion, synchronized swimming, and identical twins is Adam Sheehan. Welcome, Adam. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of I course. love me some Muppets. I know that about you. Uh, and I want to hear, uh, I want the audience to hear more. What is, what is your connection with the Muppets? What's your relationship with the Muppets? And I guess puppetry in general um, for yeah. you in particular. So I have a, a long, uh, lifelong love of, of the Jim Henson Corporation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, kind of grew up on Muppet Babies. I, I think uh, Scott can, can meet me there. Yep. Um, Muppet Babies was my gateway drug to a lot of things, mainly Star Wars, Indiana Jones, all that <laughs> stuff. Yep. Not going to harp too much on that. But um, I, I, I think it was once Nickelodeon started playing the Muppet show during the day. It was like a Nick Jr. thing. Um, I was way too old to be watching Nick Jr., but I watched every episode of the Muppet show whenever I could, whenever it was on. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with that style of comedy, that kind of like old vaudeville style mm-hmm. um, and fell in love with puppetry. Uh, when I was a kid, I was given this book. I think I got it for like Christmas or a birthday or something. It was called The Muppets Make Puppets. And it was like an instructional book on how to make your own puppets out of like household materials. Kind of like how the Hensons used to do it back in the day. Like you improvise. Like it, yeah. almost everything about the Muppets is improvisation. Mm-hmm. And kind of fell in love with that sort of DIY attitude. Um, flash forward to about 10 years ago, I got involved. I, me and a friend of mine wrote a, a TV pilot. And we thought it would be a good idea to do mostly puppets as our cast. <laughs> and then we, we ended up getting involved with this local puppet production company called Monkey Boys Productions. And we made this pilot. Uh, we got it into the New York TV Festival. Um, didn't really go anywhere. No one, was re- no one really seemed too interested in it. And um, then it kind of languished. But um, that project created two different uh production companies monkey boys kind of skyrocketed they they do a lot of props for snl they do a lot of stuff for stage like they have a uh an audrey 2 puppet that they rent out oh um and the other uh, my friend that i wrote the pilot with formed uh a, a studio called uh big howl uh here in philadelphia they actually have a, a show on pbs now called albie's elevator mm. it's this like kind of cute kid show but yeah, it's it's I, I've been around it. I've been um, around sort of the puppet making process, the puppet performing process, mm-hmm. the production end of it. It's it's 
it's so much more complicated than you would think. Because at first I was like, good, we don't have to worry about actors. But then it's like, oh, wait, now you have to deal with puppeteers who are almost worse. And, and every, every single shot, like any interaction with a puppet and their surroundings is a whole production. It's like mm-hmm. such a setup. Um, you have to work around so many things. The The floor level is actually kind of chess level when you're on set. It's It's a wild, it's a wild environment. Yeah, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Working, yeah, working on that stuff. Yeah, um, and and you you uh, you mentioned that like this is not uh, Great Muppet Caper, the one we're here to talk about today. Is it one that you watched a lot? Yeah, this is the one I've spent probably the least amount of time with. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, Nick, what what about you? You did you say that you had never seen this before? I have never seen the Great Muppet Caper before. <laughs> It's my first time watching it for this podcast. It is somehow the only Muppet movie that I had not seen. Wow. So this is the one that I watched the most as a kid. This was like my favorite one. Um, and uh, I watched this so much over and over and over again. It was mostly this one and then a lot of Muppets Take Manhattan, but it was mostly this one. Um, there's stuff in this like like uh, sounds and and things that are just like forever just in my brain because they've they were just they my brain grew around them um <laughs> you know <laughs> from, i know from, exactly that feeling i know exactly what you're describing <laughs> yeah um and so yeah this watching this uh this morning was an absolute trip um and uh in my humble opinion this movie uh absolutely uh rules and slaps um but uh i'm very curious Nick, what what were your thoughts on the Great Muppet Caper, having never seen it before? Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty fun. I mean, I'm excited to talk about a lot of stuff with Adam because I think going off of our discussion last week with the Muppet movie, on a technical level, this is like dizzying. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> I think kind of almost like the Spider Verse movies where the more you know about the medium of art that the movie is utilizing to tell its story, the more impressive it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. when you're watching the movie, you don't think about how technically impressive it is that all these Muppets are in one room or that all these Muppets are like, you know, drinking coffee or, right. you know, uh, riding bikes and stuff. But then, you know, if you take a step back and think about the the, the technicality and the choreography and the planning and the performance that went into like almost every shot of this movie mm-hmm. it's kind of just Jim Henson and Jim Henson and company just flexing on everyone for 90 minutes yeah and being like but you never thought you'd see a muppet swim i bet you never thought you'd <laughs> yeah. see a muppet climb a window or climb a building <laughs> yeah it, it's it, with all of these movies um it, it it's almost like they there was a, a a core meeting before they even wrote a script and we're like all right what are some things that are impossible to do with puppets that we're going to do in this movie mm-hmm. it's like how about we have Kermit ride a bike or what if we do a whole a whole synchronized swimming scene it's like yeah all right that's impossible let's do it it's going in the movie well it's funny that you should say that uh so. Okay, so as we talked last week, Jim Henson wanted to to direct the Muppet movie, um, and uh, the studios were like, "Ah, all right, uh, Jim, uh, maybe just focus on the puppets and getting that like ready for like a cinematic medium." 
and and let we'll let the pressure off and we'll hire like a, a steady hand and he'll direct the movie um and and you know just worry about like doing the best like puppetry work that you can um and so he was really disappointed by that but he went along with it the Muppet movie came out it was a huge success by the time um this movie was ready to go uh his feeling was I'm ready to move on from the Muppets um, I want to make big boy movies uh, with puppets, but uh, mature things, things that aren't, you know, necessarily for families or, or specifically for families or, or for kids. Um, he's like, I wanted to, I wanted to grow as an artist. And they were like, he was like, I want to make this movie called the dark crystal. And they were like, um, that's cool. Uh, you've never directed a movie before. That's our fault, but you haven't. And so maybe, <laughs> maybe make a sequel to the Muppets, and uh, and then we can talk about the other thing. Um, and what he did was he made a two picture deal that guaranteed a fifteen million dollar budget for the Muppet movie sequel and a fourteen million dollar budget for his passion project, The Dark Crystal, and they would shoot it back to back. This movie wrapped in March. Of uh, February, late February, early March of 1981, and the Dark Crystal started shooting in mid-April. Um, oh God, that's awful. Yeah, uh, but that was him. That was his. That was his decision. <laughs> that Man. wasn't the studio saying this is how we're going to do it. He was just like, "All right, I'm going to get this Muppet thing out of the way, and I'm, then I'm doing the thing I really want to do, which is the Dark Crystal." He was those like poor, excited. <laughs> those poor puppeteers who had to do both back to back. Yeah. Um, well, like, they they actually talked about he split uh, the the focus, and so the um, Sesame Street crew in New York built all of the Muppets for the Great Muppet Caper, and the Muppet Show crew uh, in London built all of the uh, puppets for the Dark Crystal, and um, the lead uh, uh, Muppet engineer designer whatever um she was she would every every week she would come in on a monday and she'd be like okay who did we lose because the london people would keep pulling people away to go work on the dark crystal so they for the for the great muppet keeper they're they're you know they're uh, uh they just kept losing bodies um and having to like double the work and get it all done. It was like really, really hectic because all of Jim's attention was on uh, was 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 on uh, the Dark Crystal. Um, in terms of the Great Muppet Caper, though, uh, Jim had this really interesting way of working, which was that um, he would talk to the screenwriters and he'd be like, "So this is what I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking a Berkeley musical." Um, I'm thinking, uh, jewel heist kind of thing. I'm thinking, um, you know, like I, I want it to end with them all like floating down in parachutes. Um, I think, uh, maybe it's set in London. Um, yeah, there you go. And then (laughs) that was it. Like, that's all he kind (laughs) of gave them. (laughs) And they just kind of had to like figure that out. Um, and it went through multiple passes because, of course, the first draft of it, he was like, oh, I don't like this at all. And they were like, well, you didn't tell us what you yeah, wanted. You gave us so. a napkin with three ideas. On it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, they worked out the script and, and then he started getting really excited about it. But Jim's goal with this movie was um, he wanted to treat the great Muppet Caper as 
basically a trial run R&D for Dark Crystal. Um, and, and so this movie is so complicated and has so many shots that should be impossible. And it's just because he was continuously challenging himself and challenging all the Muppet performers um, so that he could like whip them into shape and whip himself into shape as a director to take on the Dark Crystal in April. Um, and uh, yeah, that's why this movie's insane. Like, so it's, it's, it, this movie's just like a, a rocky training montage for the the Dark Crystal. Yeah, essentially, essentially, yeah. Um, yeah, it's so complicated, and and that's the thing he talked about. He was like, yeah. You know, it's just like super casual in like that very Jim Henson way. Just like, yeah, you know, people were really impressed by uh, Kermit riding a bike. So I just figured, well, why stop there? Let's just put all the Muppets on bikes and uh, let's let's have them share the screen with 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 children on bikes. So you're really confused about how we did it. Um, and uh, and, you know, let's let's just make everything uh, really hard. Uh, let's do a synchronized. Let's do underwater Muppets. I bet no one would be able to figure out how we did that. Um, and it's just like just spitting off like these insane things as like a one up to the Kermit on a bike shot. The one Kermit on a bike shot in the Muppet movie. Yeah, it's like it, he Jim Henson is a magician in, yeah. in the truest sense of, of like using sleight of hand and everything else he it's it's magic it's yeah. it's it's pure freaking magic it's amazing yeah yeah um but yeah this uh the this speaking of the synchronized swimming um that was took a lot of r&d obviously but what they ended up doing was building uh i believe it was 16 uh miss piggy uh, uh waterproof puppets um, that uh, they they used and swapped out uh, continuously because the problem with the waterproofing of the puppet was that um, it would tear apart a lot. So so Frank would be you know using it and he would open Miss Piggy's mouth and if he did that twice, the whole jaw would just like tear. Um, oh and so then they would just rip the head off, throw throw it a, a, away, and then put a new head on, and then he would go again. Um, and so it was like, it was like 16, it took like 16, uh, of these, uh, total in totality of like all the parts and stuff. Um, 16, like full Miss Piggy, uh, puppets, um, to get that sequence done. And Frank was literally just in a full body suit, uh, that was the same blue as the background of the pool, um, the same blue that the pool was painted. And, uh, he would just be underwater until he couldn't hold his breath anymore, and then they'd be like, "Well, I guess that's the end of that take." <laughs> oh my god! And they just—you think did... there'd be some sort of scuba system involved? Yeah, there was like pre, like before the take started. Um, there was a guy under there with like a scuba tank, and it would like get. But he needed like freedom to like mm. move around, and yeah. having a tank on his back wasn't really gonna help with that. Um, and they lined the pool with speakers so that he could hear like a muffled version of the song underwater. Um, and he and Frank said that he got uh, the worst ear infection of his life after being <laughs> in that pool for ten hours a day, five day for five days. That's how long it took to shoot that sequence. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's there's nothing comfortable about working on a set with puppets. Yeah. Um, when we, when we made ours, we had rented this big warehouse that we were using as our soundstage that had been used to build and store 
Mummer's Costumes. Uh, it was a, a place here in Philly, and there was a thin layer of glitter on everything. <laughs> and it was like all over my clothes. I was breathing it in. I was, I was, I had the worst flu of my life for about a month after that production, just from breathing in all the glitter. Oh my god! Um, the uh, the secret ice swimming sequence was in the same soundstage as uh, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker's uh, final duel in Empire Strikes Back. Wow! Yeah, that's pretty great. That's pretty cool. I wonder if uh, I wonder if there was ever a, a young British child. Uh, walking down the street, passing a an alleyway with some trash cans, and needed to throw away like a candy wrapper or a soda can or soda pop bottle or something. Walked into the alley, opened up a trash can, and saw like a dozen mutilated, <laughs> soggy, Miss Picky heads. They well, they actually um, they were really good. I think they. I'm not kidding, Nick. I think they thought of that scenario. And so mm. they were really good about smashing them to pieces so that they were completely okay. unrecognizable. Because I think they literally didn't want that exact scenario to happen. Or just <laughs> just people people me. like Stealing running it. off with yeah, like yeah. like what happened mm. on the set of Turtles too. Yeah, true. Very true. Um, oh, that happened on Ninja Turtles too. People would steal the turtles. Well, Turtle there's hunting. a there's a rumor. Um, we actually got to talk to Michel and Sisti on uh, TMNT Minute. Um, he was the the suit performer for Michelangelo, and he said one of the Mikey heads went missing on the the set of Turtles Two. And then when it came time for Turtles Three to come along, there was some other production company that had figured out how to do everything cheaper. Oh no! Like the Justin Hammer of of puppet performers, puppet <laughs> workshops. Yeah, and that's why Turtles Three looks so god awful. Yeah, <laughs> woof. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean that's the great Muppet Caper, and uh, you know it came out. It was a hit. Uh, people really liked it, and uh, and it was released the summer after the Muppet Show ended. Um, so it was mm. like it really felt like a culmination. Uh, even more so than the Muppet movie did, because it was like, oh, the show's over, and now we're now we're movie stars. And uh, got it. Yeah, it was uh, it was a it was a big deal. Um, but yeah, I just I watched this movie all the time. I had no idea all of the all of the famous people that are in this, like John Cleese and Peter Falk, uh, Charles Grodin. This was all the first time that I had seen them. So to me, this is what they're from. Like all of those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charles Grodin is just that guy from the Great Muppet Caper to you. Yeah, for sure. That's um, great. Though it's really funny because uh, you know Bethany was watching this with me this morning, and she was like, "Who's Jar- Charles Grodin?" And I was like, "I don't really know how to answer that." <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, he's a he was a guy. He was he was in a bunch of movies in the seventies and eighties. And he kind of played the same guy in everything, and I don't know. He's Charles Grodin. He's like a yeah. guy. I don't know. He's he's Mid- a that midnight guy. run. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's still Beethoven. Charles Grodin in that, and in probably Beethoven. He's always just Charles yeah. Grodin. Clifford. Yeah. He's always just Charles Grodin. Oh, oh God! So Look at me like a human boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that clip keeps keeps circulating around on on Instagram. <laughs> uh, you can't even do Clifford. it for more than the, for this for more than a second. <laughs> I think Clifford was my gateway Charles Grodin movie as a kid. I think I, I, that was on Disney Channel a lot. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone said when they watched Clifford. 
Um, I think that's but, Martin Short. <laughs> but but yeah, uh, great Muppet Keeper. Um, you know, I I also think I the thing that really surprised me watching this. Um, uh, Nick, you definitely know this. Adam, you might know this about me. Um, and my. Uh, I I don't know if I'd call it an obsession, but I I'm a huge fan of like meta storytelling. Um, I'm just I just I I'm a big fan of it. I always have been. I don't I didn't know where it ever came from. And watching this movie, I'm like, holy shit! I think it came from this. <laughs> <laughs> you like that film reflexivity? Yeah. Um, and yeah. just like like uh you know um uh, w- w- uh what's her name the lady um. Uh, Lady Holiday being like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, why, when Miss Piggy's like, why did you tell me all that? She's like, I don't know. It's exposition. It's got to go somewhere, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like just like stuff yeah. like that. Um, it, I love the the third, all the third wall breaking, like Kermit telling Miss Piggy to like stop overacting. Um, yeah. It's a uh, little fight they have yeah. in the middle of the movie. <laughs> right. Um, all of fucking that walk, walk, go then. <laughs> it's so good. Um, anyway, I, I, I absolutely adore this movie. I think it's, I think it's the best. Um, but, uh, Nick, you want to walk us through the plot? Yeah. Well, you know, we don't take, we don't get very far before we do start doing, uh, some, you know, meta poking at the, at the fact that we're in a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie starts with Gonzo, Fozzie Bear, and Kermit the Frog in a hot air balloon. And Fozzie's like, why are we up here? And <laughs> Kermit's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Dude, it's going to be a long fucking movie if you keep, <laughs> you keep asking keep questions that. like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, it is very gentle, soft, like entry level, like baby's first meta narrative, you know? like, yeah. And I'm sure... It's impossible to like, you know, to kids now that are inundated with like Rick and Morty and the Ryan Reynolds industrial complex, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like, you know, just simple little jokes like, wow, a lot of people worked on this, you know? Mm-hmm. Or like, Kermit, what does BSC stand for? And he's like, I don't know, you know? And it's just like really nice. Uh, but then uh, one, one oh, small yeah, note about the credits though um, that I do uh, want to bring up cuz it's just a it's just a nice story. So, uh, sure. the, the last movie um, obviously like all the, you know, the the uh, music and lyrics by by Paul Williams and, and Kenneth Asher. Um, this they didn't return for this one. Um, and mm. instead uh, they went to uh, uh, Joe Raposo who um, famously like the Sesame Street guy. Um mm. he's in the Sesame Street documentary. Um he just seems like a really like great guy and he just like talks about like the legacy of having to write so many goddamn songs for Sesame Street. <laughs> um and, and how hard that is, but also like he would never want another job in his life. Um and uh and yeah so they went to him because they were like well, you know, Jim had all these big ideas that he was like these is going to be really expensive, so Let's not get Paul Williams this time. Let's get like you know our in house guy to come and do the 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 songs for the for this new Muppet movie. Um, so they brought him in, and he was really excited to be a part of it and everything. But there was always like a part of him that was like, man, you know, the music and everything was such a big deal in the Muppet movie, 
and um, it's just too bad. Like I'm like you know I'm 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 playing second fiddle to Paul to Paul Williams. You know it's not going to be as big of a deal. And so he sits down at the premiere, and right after the Great Muppet Caper, the following credit is music and lyrics by Joe Raposo, and he just started crying because. He had no idea he was going to get that credit. He had no idea that it was going to be in the opening credits. And he certainly didn't realize that he was going to get the credit right after the title. Um, and, uh, and he was just like, he was like, yeah, I was never, ever going to quit Sesame Street after that. Um, that was, he was like, I, I'm, I'm here for life now. <laughs> um, and uh, I just thought that was a really sweet story that like, you know, Jim was like, no, it's not. You're not you're not playing second fiddle to Paul Williams. You're as important as Paul Williams, as far as I'm concerned, um, and uh, that's really nice. Yeah, kind of a reoccurring theme of you know Henson's generosity of spirit and spirit of collaboration being something that you know came second nature to him, but became this like very defining, heart swelling moment for the collaborator in yeah. question, whether yeah. it was a Muppeteer or a musician. Or, you know, Paul Williams had a similar story last week right. where he was just so chuffed by Henson's uh, willingness to share the spotlight whenever possible. Yeah. And ha- let him have full con- creative control of the songs. Um, yeah. And, and all of that. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, nice little story. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and Joe Raposo, I mean, he does a great job. I mean, like, I know none of these songs are as iconic as Rainbow Connection or um, or or like half the songs in the Muppet movie, you know, but they're all really great. And I think that they're matching the tone of what Jim is going for um, perfectly. So, yeah, big fan. Yeah, yeah. The Muppets crash down onto the street and we get uh, the first song. I guess it was called like, hey, we're in a movie or hey, a movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. About how they're in a movie and they're making a movie. Um, really great. I mean, you know, just great kinetic Muppet action. Uh, I'm in love with how they are just tossing these fuckers around <laughs> like a bag of groceries <laughs> at every opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> it's oh. so great. Um, there's, that, something the, fun, there's something funny please. about an unmanned puppet being thrown or dropped. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Eat it. So, Something yeah. that Jim really only understood because I uh, we talked about this last week, but I feel like after he died, they kind of stopped doing that um, with the Muppets. Like everybody has too much respect for them uh, as characters at this point. And Jim was always like, "Why they're puppets? Throw them, chuck <laughs> <laughs> them." That's funny. That's funny. When we talked to the director of uh, Ninja Turtles, he he was talking about how he was constantly fighting the creature shop because he wanted to use glycerin on the turtles to make them like sweaty and wet. And they're like, no, that's destroying the puppet. Like there was a lot of fights between the director and the puppet shop Mm -hmm. about what they could and couldn't do to the puppets. Mm -hmm. Well, it was all worth it because now in 2023 there, those puppets are in pristine condition. Oh yeah. (laughs) They don't look terrifying nightmare (laughs) monsters at all. Um, Also uh, much like the Muppet baby sequence in uh, Muppets take Manhattan being a precursor Mm -hmm. to the Muppet babies animated series, this opening sequence on the streets of like this back lot of New York really feels like a, a trial run for what would become Muppets take Manhattan. Um, right. Yeah. Like what would happen if the Muppets were let loose 
in like a crowded, bustling city street with like fruit carts, yeah, and cars and manholes and all this stuff. Yeah, uh, we get Sweetums right off the bat, uh-huh. running in, falling into a manhole, which is great. <laughs> God love him, <laughs> classic. <laughs> uh, amazing. Yeah, I guess you know, uh, um, you, you made a good point, Scott, with the how the music kind of bleeds into the movie. I think my biggest note for the Great Muppet Caper is I found all of the songs to be pretty underwhelming mm. and unmemorable, at least. You know, especially coming after like the banger after banger after banger of of the Muppet movie. Yeah. But when I go back and think about the movies that this movie, the movie that the great Muppet caper is emulating, those Busby Berkeley, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers musicals, I don't, I am not, I'm rarely able to remember a specific song or like an earworm, but the songs are very much just like in the movie and you remember like the sequence or the dance or what was happening in the movie more so than like the song. Cause every kind of song has that. Da, 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 da. It's kind of like just that for 90 fucking minutes. Yeah. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you remember like the dancing and the swimming yeah. and the, yeah. the jokes and the stuff, the Kermit getting ready for his big date and all that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think the only song in this that that really stands out is this opening number that they reprieve at the end. Um, sure. Uh, just because like I can hum it, you know, da, 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 da. you know, like, yeah, it's it's in there. But it's it's yeah, it's not it's not the, the pop song classics of the Muppet movie. Um, right. Just going for a totally different thing. It's interesting, though, uh, uh, kind of, you know, this was my first time watching it. I feel like this song, this style of opening gets emulated much further down the line with uh, we're making a sequel in mm-hmm. Muppets Most Wanted, mm-hmm. which was kind of this like, let's all get the band back together. We're making a movie. Let's do it. And I don't think they do that again going forward it, with this much panache, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah, I'm going to. I mean, I'll look at it when we get to Muppet Muppets Most Wanted, but I feel like Muppets Most Wanted is a ripoff of the Great Muppet Caper in so much as like they thought like, well, the Muppets was successful because we were essentially doing a legacy sequel to the Muppet movie. So if we do a legacy sequel to the Great Muppet Caper, let's just let that's what we'll do. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's, you know, it's nearly as effective as um the muppets uh, unfortunately sure. I've, I, yeah. I haven't said i have a soft spot for a lot of that movie especially the soundtrack i actually really like what brett mckenzie did with those songs but mm-hmm. uh and also muppets most wanted and this even though this was my first time watching this this is kind of my platonic ideal of what i want a muppet movie to be yeah which is sure. just they're uh, they're playing a group of characters and we're watching like you know like i grew up my dad would always sit down and show me the three stooges and those shorts and what i liked about the three stooges was that you would just you would just drop them into a new scenario all the time or like the marx brothers Mm -hmm. but and you know sometimes they were reporters sometimes one of them was like a prince sometimes they were plumbers or like you know mickey donald and uh and uh and goofy yeah i was i was just saying that we we just recorded an episode of tales from the short box about tank girl and I, mm. I was saying that about the Tank Girl gang is like when you when you create characters that are strong enough, you can put them in any situation, in any order, in any kind of amalgamation, and they will tell a story for you. Yeah. And yeah. these and it, these Muppet characters are some of the strongest characters ever. And what I like about this movie in particular is like the the characters don't really see like like 
Piggy and Kermit meet for the first time in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just, all right, we're going to do a brand new story. These are the characters. We're going to arrange them any way we need to and let them tell us a story. Yeah. 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 Um, and there is a fair, fair bit of story world building in this opening sequence as well. We meet uh, Lady Holiday, played by the iconic Dame Diane Rigg mm-hmm. from everything from the Avengers to Last Night in Soho. Yep. Um, she is playing Lady Holiday. She gets her jewels stolen by a thief. But uh, the uh, the team, the reporting team of Fozzie, Kermit, and Gonzo are too busy reporting on themselves. And uh, in one of what in what my in my in true opinion, Gonzo fashion in in, in yeah. what in my opinion is the funniest running gag in any Muppet movie period, which is that mm-hmm. everyone thinks that for, that that Kermit and Fozzie are identical twins. Yeah, yeah. yeah in yeah, the yeah. world of the movie, they are identical twin brothers. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the best. So much so that Fozzie can't even tell them tell each other apart if they're looking in a mirror. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very like proto Family Guy, where I can imagine young Seth MacFarlane watching this as a kid because so much of Family Guy is beating a joke into the ground to its absurd nth degree but, yeah you know this is much more pure and playful and yeah. you know whimsical as opposed to like you know violent or dark yeah you know, it, the, the family that that uh that idea if it's funny once it'll be funny 13 or 14 more times yeah and then right. it won't how be many funny. different ways can and then it won't be yeah. funny but it'll come back like if yeah, you just yeah, keep pushing it'll it'll there, circle back and be funny again <laughs> there's a special art to that of letting a joke die and then come back yeah Mm-hmm. It's called persistence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, that is Seth MacFarlane. Okay. Uh, yeah. Never in a million years would I want this, but mm-hmm. I am shocked that Seth MacFarlane has never been even like, there's never even been a whisper of Seth MacFarlane hovering a Muppet project um, yeah. or, or planning one. Or He seems like a guy who would be, who would love the Muppets and would like jump at the chance to be a part of that. But I've never, I've never heard that ever before, and I'm, I'm yeah, just, right I'm just not realizing that. how shocking that kind of is. No, true, because like as subversive as he tries to be with his comedy, he's kind of growing out of that now that he's getting older with the yeah. with the Orville, right? But like you know, mixing that subversive edge, that's that cynicism with like the kind of unabashed old Hollywood song and dance, yeah. And like I mean, like every episode of Family Guy has like a full orchestra doing the score for their episodes, right? Right, and. Has that beautiful kind of yeah musicality? Yeah, I'm really I'm surprised he never approached. Maybe they were like, no, <laughs> no, thank you, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> they got like uh, Beauregard in the in the security booth, and he's just like, guys, Seth MacFarlane's here <laughs> again. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane's here again. <laughs> Send out the dogs. Uh, just so Ralph they meet chasing him down the street. <laughs> Great. See, that's the stuff. That's the juice. I want them all to have just like real jobs. Yeah. Um, so they meet their boss, the grandpa from Problem Child, uh, Jack Warden. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, one of my favorite jokes in the movie is when he's like, uh, you know, oh, you're the only reason you two have this job is because I was friends with your old man. And there's this horrifying photograph. Of him with like a fozzy Kermit hybrid. Oh, yes. no. <laughs> like, yeah, Dad spoke very highly of you too. <laughs> this whole see- scene, this was like the first scene in the movie where, and, and it's almost the first scene in the movie. I mean, granted, like the big musical number is like 
insanely impressive. But the fact sure. that this is just a scene of them in a newsroom and I'm just like watching it being like, how did they do this? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's so it, it's it just it's a huge step up in like production value and and um you know just like the way that they're doing everything uh over the Muppet movie because the Muppet movie was all about like location shooting right yeah. the trick was we're gonna put these two two or three Muppets on a countryside or at a farm right and this is the inverse of we're gonna see if we can get these Muppets inside of these really busy crowded extras filled sound stages and yeah sets. yeah um and there's something about that that I just I find inherently more impressive, I guess. Um, you know, at the time, they'd never done the on-location thing. So obviously, mm-hmm. that was, like, new and special. But um, this is just, like, we're going to take everything we learned on The Muppet Show, and then and then we're just going to we're gonna just expand upon it, like, times 10. Um, sure. This is just insane. So, yeah. Because he's getting ready for the Dark Crystal. Right, right. The, the main event. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what, what, I, what I've always loved about these movies is, um, I kind of said at the opening, um, The Muppet Show was like a nod to vaudeville and that, that sort of stage comedy. Mm-hmm. And these movies, each one of them, is a nod to that classic Hollywood. That, yeah. that mm-hmm. acting, singing, dancing, swimming kind of, kind of style. And I, it's just, it's such a fun world to play with these characters in yeah absolutely yeah. like so capturing that like we're putting on a show energy mm-hmm. yeah so the uh the muppets man fozzy kermit and gonzo managed to convince jack warden to let them go to england to cover the uh theft of lady holiday's jewels they uh go aboard a plane where they are just chucked out of the cargo hold um and yeah, <laughs> they, they, they they land in the pond there's something about them in their boxes that like that yeah. scene where they're like turning on their little lights inside their boxes. Um, yeah. Something about that is just like I, I it, it feels like I think about that scene almost like once a day ever since I was oh, a yeah? kid. I don't know what it is about that scene, but there's just something about it that's just like buried in my subconscious. Uh, sure. So, yeah. <laughs> like uh Gonza's box is labeled whatever. Yeah, that's the great. Best. Yeah, <laughs> it also that. doesn't even have an arrow pointing up, which is really funny. <laughs> yeah, because they're like, we don't know. <laughs> uh, so they land. They're meet by. I don't have his name in front of me, but uh, apparently that gentleman on the bench that directs them to the Happiness Hotel is like a very well known character actor in England that very often played like that archetype, like mm-hmm. the gentleman, the guy who represented like the right side of. British society. Yeah. Uh, Charles Grodin and Peter Falk aside, like this yeah. is just like Jim Henson being like, well, we were in London for a long time and I, I got to know London TV and London pop culture. So let's just like load this thing up with that. Um, Absolutely. Which is uh, really fun. And that's a, that's that classic Hollywood thing again of like, all right, get me every working actor at this studio. Yeah. And we'll find <laughs> somewhere to put them. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Uh, they make their way to the Happiness Hotel where every Muppet lives. You got uh, the 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 Muppet Doc or whatever, the right. Muppet that works behind the counter, the old man. Yep. Uh, all of Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem are there. And never knew this before. You know, I was living in the timeline. The first, I thought the earliest introduction to Rizzo the Rat and his Rat Familia 
were in the Muppets Take Manhattan when they were working at the diner. But they actually, uh, apparently this was their first appearance where they're working at the Happiness Hotel as like the, the, the bellhop staff. Yeah. I and, What uh, I didn't know was that um, that he was, that Rizzo was like one of the first Steve Whitmire characters. And that's why Rizzo yeah. isn't around anymore. That's why Gonzo hangs out with that shrimp. Pepe. Yeah, <laughs> hangs out with Pepe. He's not now. a shrimp. He's he's actually a, he's actually a king prawn, Scott. Okay, well, <laughs> all right. I will be defending Pepe from your jipes. I here's and what snipes no, no, no. for this so, entire matter, series. I have I have evolved into an understanding of Pepe, which is that Pepe doesn't work alone with Gonzo. Pepe works best as a third wheel to Gonzo and Rizzo. That is like. That's mm. and, and he even works with just Rizzo. Um, it's when it's it, for some reason the specific combination of just Gonzo and Pepe is what I don't like. Um, well, because like Pepe doesn't really challenge Gonzo in the same way Rizzo does. Yeah. Right. Right. Pepe's I also like, yeah, like whatever, that, man. that Rizzo was just a caricature of um, uh, Dennis Hoffman's character in Midnight Cowboy, which is like, <laughs> yeah. I'm walking here. Yeah. Just such a dark place to go for <laughs> yes. a children's TV character. Like, I, I just think it's so fun that Steve Whitmire uh, started as a rat and, and ended up as like Kermit and, and really an entire generation's Kermit. Um, yeah. Sure. What a what yeah. a <laughs> what an upgrade. Um, but uh, no, actually, uh, Nick Riz, not to correct you, but Rizzo the Rat's first appearance was actually in the Muppet Show. Um, oh, I assume episode four eighteen uh, in nineteen eighty. <laughs> so not not too not too not too uh, long before this. Um, Who was the guest? Uh, oh, great question. Uh, that I don't know. This is Dennis um, Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be really funny if that if it was just a sketch about. about that. <laughs> hey, Dustin Hoffman, I'm Rizzo the um, Rat. Oh wow, it was Christopher Reeve. <laughs> wow, Damn. yeah, yeah, nice. Superman two era. Yeah, very true. So they check into the Happiness Hotel. They get the joke about the bed, how it like eats them up, and then Kermit's like, "Oh, could someone turn off the light?" And then the light bulb falls down. Yeah, that's a, that was like a the fold up bed was like a joke. In the 80s, I felt like it was in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I saw it a lot. Big, like, yeah, it was in Big, it was in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, right, yeah, I don't know, something about the I always, I bed. always love a good Murphy bed. <laughs> yeah, a Murphy, Murphy bed Murphy. joke. It, it's it, it always lands for me. It's it's <laughs> such a funny idea. Yeah, the best Murphy, Murphy bed jokes are the ones where you don't realize it's a Murphy bed until. It, right. Until you're it, until it, you're inside the wall. Yeah, yeah, until you're inside the wall. Those are always sure. the best. Where you're like, oh, it's a Murphy bed. That's funny. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty um, great. The next he, morning, we meet Lady Holiday, playing by Diane Rigg. She's like a. Uh, I I I have a soft spot for. I think there's some a grade A human Muppet humans in a Muppet movie performances in this. Mm-hmm. Um, like the joke of her just like cutting addresses randomly or like spilling ink on them. Uh that was good. I think she's, you know, admirably high energy in this. Oh, yeah. Uh, we also meet the three models. Uh, they have, like, a, a naming scheme. It's, like, Darla, Sharla, and Carla or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we later learn that they are three of the uh, diamond th- uh, burglars in this movie. Uh, kind of reminiscent of 
I wonder if this is like a, a subconscious or conscious reference to the trio of lady burglars, jewel heistesses in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Dude, I was going to make the same reference, but you beat me to it. But yeah, I was thinking okay. exactly the same thing. Exactly yeah. the same thing while I was watching this. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess um, that makes uh, – whoa, man. What is her name um, from American Pie? What is her name? Oh, uh, Tara Reid? No. No, she, um, the one in the in the group yeah. in the in the thief yeah. group. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, what is the ladies? <laughs> it's, Eli- it's Eliza Dushku, Eliza Dushku, Mrs. Yeah. Kevin Smith, right? And then the one that dates Jay. Oh, yeah. Who's that? <laughs> I haven't seen her? that movie in so long. Oh my god, what was her name? I was like, yeah. Um, hold on. Uh, this is driving me crazy. She's also in reboot, right? Yeah. Um, Shannon Elizabeth. Um, Shannon Elizabeth. Yeah, that uh, never would have came to me in a million years. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, Shannon Elizabeth. I know you're a listener. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Google. <laughs> I say but, her name at every, every, every dueling genre tonight. Thank yeah, you to our $10 um, plus patron, well, Shannon Elizabeth Ashtarche. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I absolutely uh, buried this joke, but my joke, the joke I was going to make was that I guess that makes Shannon Elizabeth Charles Grodin. Um, anyway. Oh, yeah. That's true, because like, Grodin's the kind of... Oh man, but Jay's a really good guy. You know, I hate, I hate that we're dicking him over. That's right. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and speaking of Jay, you know, uh, we get the introduction of Miss Piggy, who uh, wants to be a model. I love the joke of when she's showing Lady Holiday her portfolio, and it's just her making the same face over uh-huh. and over again. But she's like, demure. Uh, <laughs> cheeky or like you know yeah, yeah. Um, like, oh, so what a range then, of emotions and she's like you really think so um, yeah. so I the moment when she says I can offer you a receptionist and she like freaks out and is so excited um, yeah. that is a, a piggy a specific piggy energy that they just don't do anymore because they always mm. put piggy in a position of power now um, she's always a she's always a girl boss or a pig boss, hog boss. Yeah. I don't know. She's always a girl mm. boss, and not in in a low in like a low position of power like this. I would love to see another like another movie or another show or special where Piggy is in a position like this rather than a girl boss. Um, well, isn't like, she, doesn't she work? Isn't she working in like a makeup counter in? Muppet, mm-hmm. Is it Muppet Takes Muppet Muppet Take Takes Manhattan? Manhattan. Mm-hmm. When yeah. she's with uh, what's her name? Oh, uh, yeah, no, from do this. yeah the <laughs> the yeah um the the lamb lamb chop lady. Wow, right? really? Yeah, no, it was uh, it was. Oh my god, what is her name? Joan Rivers wasn't that Joan oh, Rivers? Joan Rivers is in it too, but also the lamb chop lady. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll 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 find out. Yeah, next week. Well, that's uh, a different episode. Yeah, they're both in it though. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah, yeah, scrappy ingenue Miss Piggy. Yeah, uh, like I feel like now, like the move, the move you're talking about is she would be Anne Hathaway in Devil Wears Prada instead of Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, yeah, she because she is Meryl it, yeah. Streep in the Muppets. Remember? Right. Yeah. We yeah. Talked, yeah. Yeah. Literally. literally. So yeah, it's it's yeah. They always put her in that position now, or like even the 2015 ABC Muppet show, she's the, the host and like the boss of, you know, right. up late with Miss Piggy or whatever. So, That's um, right. yeah. yeah, she's always in that position now where she's like the scary boss instead of, I think the more interesting position, which is like what she is here. 
Um, right. Uh, if she uh, was like Jane Krakowski in 30 Rock. Kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Trying, jostling for more power. Yeah. I just, I just think that's a more interesting place to put her. Um, Not for sure. But anyway. Uh, Lady Holiday steps out when Kermit steps in and we get a classic case of screwball comedy <laughs> mistaken identity mm-hmm. where uh, Kermit mistakes Piggy for Lady Holiday and Piggy goes with it. And like, yeah, like like Andrew, like like, like Adam said, I love the meet cute and I love how it's just like played very earnestly and it's just kind of like, oh, OK, cool. Like in every movie, we're going to see these characters like meet cute for the first time. Yeah, yeah. it's it's just fun because it's like they, they get to be different characters. They can. They can meet under different circumstances, and they always end up crazy about each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best. Great, great, uh, great, like, acting by Jim Henson as Kermit when he's, like, leaning on the doorframe and able to communicate, like, how head over heels he is for Piggy, despite not having, like, facial expressions, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Ah, uh, the best. Yeah. They, uh, they go back to, oh, well, they meet Beauregard. Mm-hmm. The cab driver. And we get a shit crazy set. Well, I mean, maybe the best joke in the whole movie is when they can't get a cab. And then Gonzo just yeets himself into the middle of the street. Hell yeah. In front of the cab. <laughs> I got this. Uh, Bethany kept being like, why does Gonzo want to die so badly? Yeah. He's a daredevil. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, he's a daredevil. Like, yeah, but why does he want to die? <laughs> uh, so this in particular, yeah. I, all I could think while watching this is how pissed off British cabbies were at this this gag because they get in and they're like, he's like, where are you going? And they're like, the Happiness Hotel, you wonder where that is? And he's like, yeah, but how do I get there? And like the joke is like he's like really bad cabbie. And uh-huh. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's this thing in, in England called the knowledge um, where you have to study for years to know every street every alley know how to get everywhere by memory in london before you can join the cabbie union and become a cab driver um so the idea of someone driving the streets of london in a cab and not knowing where he's going it would be like really offensive i feel like to london cabbies That's the joke, isn't it? Like, it's like, all right, here's a guy who has no business being in this, in the driver's seat of this cab. (laughs) And they got the one guy. (laughs) Right. And he doesn't even have an an accent. Yeah, that's true. He still has an American accent. Beauregard is one of those Muppets where I'm like, oh, that one, that, 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 that dude. And then I'm like, oh, his name, he does have a name. Yeah, Beauregard. He's one of those Muppets that I I get excited every time I see him. Yeah. Like... There's a bunch like that. Yeah. The deep cut Muppets are really fun because they don't show up all the time. But when they show up, you're like, okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. This is going to be something. Uh, Like like, New Zealand is one. I was going to say, New Zealand's a great where you're like, oh, that guy. And you don't, you know, like, oh, he does have a name. He's not just like fish mustache guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The fish juggler. The fish juggler. (laughs) So they get a cab set piece. Uh, Beauregard drives completely through the the happiness hotel i love janice like sunbathing under the under the light i like though before that they're like oh yeah there it is and he's like cool i can only get you as far as the lobby and then he just smashes it (laughs) yeah um (laughs) and then and then the thing where he's like i how do i get out here and kermit's like i don't know make a (laughs) u-turn which is like the worst advice he could possibly give him yeah oh man 
It's the best. <laughs> and then he pulls out uh, the the doc comes back with like a the, uh, the steering wheel and a like a soup bucket, and he's like, "Well, you know, uh, you know, steering wheel souffle tonight for dinner." And Janice is like, "Again." Janice has some great <laughs> lines in this one, dude. Yeah. A- again is one of the best punchlines you can have, like <laughs> especially right after something that had has never ever ever in a million years could ever happen again is always the best punchline <laughs> or not again uh, <laughs> yeah uh kermit is getting ready for his big date with miss piggy we get a little musical number out of it about you know stepping out and putting up my tie and my hat and da, da, da. it's a song and uh fozzy's very sad that kermit's going on a date without him so eventually he concedes and is like, okay, you can you can go with me on the date, Fozzie. Yeah. Um, and then all the Muppets go out with them, and they end up driving uh, in the Doctor T and the Electric Mayhem van. Yeah. Um, while that's happening, Piggy breaking into John Cleese's house. This is, oh my God. Uh, in my opinion, the funniest sequence in the movie. I. John Cleese, I, I was dying. Like, John Cleese was, like, killing me during this. Of just, like, how, like, bored he is with his life. And just, like, casually bored about everything. And just... <laughs> I I don't even... I can't even really describe, like, what he's doing. But it's the funniest yeah. goddamn thing I've ever seen. It's so funny. He's a master. Oh, my God. Uh... I was a big fan of uh, when the doorbell rings and Piggy's like, I got it. And, <laughs> and John Cleese's like, I thought you said all the pets were dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Yeah, this is great. Uh, so they go to uh, a so well, uh, not a restaurant, more of a, of a social club. Right. And they, uh, they go out to eat and Kermit's like, you know, disgusted by how expensive everything is. And, uh, they have a little dance sequence. I mean, they have like a full on like Busby Berkeley dance sequence where Charles Grodin playing brother Nicky, uh, Diane Riggs, American brother that always has a crooked bow tie. God, I don't know if this is Coke or or just <laughs> being on a set with the Muppets, but whatever zone Charles Grodin is in for this whole movie is so bizarre and he's just going for it. And it's I, 110%. I, I applaud him. It's yeah. why he's my favorite Muppet villain, um, mm-hmm. you know, unless unless for some reason you count Scrooge, uh, he is my yeah. favorite, mm-hmm. like like Charles Grodin is my favorite Muppet villain for sure. There, um, there's something about an actor taking a role as far as it'll go mm-hmm. amongst a bunch of Muppets, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like like Tim Curry as as um, right. Long John Silver. Long right. John Silver in in Muppet Treasure Island. Just the definitive Long John Silver oh among gosh. a bunch of stuffed animals. It's it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. The right kind of actor really like something frees and they're like, oh my God, I can do anything because I'm, like, I'm acting opposite Miss Piggy. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like, because uh, no matter what I do, because I'm human, I'm going to be more grounded than the Muppets. So, like, yeah. Yeah. I you can might just, as well swing for the fences. Yeah, I can go absolutely bananas. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful, like, kind of like what Adam said, like the way they lovingly recreate the kind of Busby Berkeley musicalness of this mm-hmm. in the sequence. But they're just dancing with Miss Piggy, and mm-hmm. she's just so glamorous and... You know, he's got these amazing full body shots of where they're carrying her around and 
Yeah, and Charles <laughs> Grodin is so in love with her. It's just it's played so straight, even though it is so ridiculous. Yeah. That pig is my receptionist. Oh, how is she? Types five five words a minute. <laughs> Tops. Oh. <laughs> I think I think this and, was ADR, but it was like, oh, that's my receptionist. And Charles Grodin's like, which one? The pig. <laughs> yeah. And just the logistics of a scene like that is just mind boggling. Like mm-hmm. for sure. Everything has to be perfect. Yeah. It's uh, the thing that always impresses me is when they're able to lift the Muppet off of the performer. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Because you're just like the timing sure. of them pulling their hand out of frame as the as the puppet is being pulled away from them. I mean, it was just it's like how many takes did yeah. they have to do to get that right? And the, you know? those really clever cuts, too, of like mm-hmm. when when a, a Muppet has to pick something up. Yes. Like you have to cut around attaching the thing to its hand. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a whole three or four different cuts. I remember what it, it, on our production, it was just like it was decided very early on. No one's picking anything up. <laughs> like, that's the first corner we're going to cut is like, just don't even put it in the script. <laughs> uh, in the midst of Piggy's dance sequence, there is another theft in which another one of Lady Holiday's jewel necklaces are stolen right literally off of her. And uh, everyone freaks out. We get a, a great extra being like, somebody stole Lady Holiday's diamonds. And uh, Kermit's like, wait, but I thought you were Miss Holiday. And we get like a little Cinderella moment where Piggy runs away and she leaves one of her glass slippers behind. Mm-hmm. And Kermit's like, oh, man, she lied to me. She played me like a fiddle. Lady Holiday really does have like the worst brother. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> he and, like, you know, it's a Muppet movie. really poorly. <laughs> so like we never get any kind of kind of like even a, a semblance of backstory as to why he's doing this. He's just like the villain. But yeah, yeah it is pretty crazy. <laughs> um, oh, back at the holiday or back at the Happiness Hotel, Gonzo, Fozzie Bear and Kermit the Frog are in the community bathroom getting Gonzo's photos developed. And there's like a big line of the bathroom. You can hear like the, you know, people banging on the doors or whatever. And just as they get the, the photo developed that will, you know, catch Charles Grodin red handed, all the Muppets burst in and the photo bursts into, you know, underdevelopedness. And I was like, God, no one under the age of like 35 is going to get this joke. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Oh, man, it's good, though. The the setup of it is the setup and payoff of that scene is like so good. For sure. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, uh i'm it, realizing i'm realizing during this that like i adam i said uh last week i kind of always resonated with like either a fozzy or a rolf in mm. terms of like my muppet zodiac but i'm realizing i do have like a very strong like inner janice in me <laughs> that's always been there nice nice yeah i've i've always been a fozzy mm-hmm. like i've and that goes all the way back to the watching the muppet show and just just seeing this comedian just bomb and just still give it <laughs> give it 110% every time. Yeah. It's yeah. just I just love that character. He's wow. damned in a way. Um <laughs> is so would you say that Fozzie is your favorite muppet, Adam? Um I don't know, I tend to I tend to to fluctuate between Fozzie and Gonzo. Gonzo is just yeah. He's that cha- that chaos demon that I I I strive to be. <laughs> yeah. Just that whatever oh, yeah. who gives a shit will just jump out in the middle of the street kind of yeah. energy. I would love to I see mean, every. I would love to see Please. Gonzo and Animal 
have like a side plot mm. in something at some point because I just yeah. feel like I feel like they did just end up in hell or something. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're now. That, that now. would be the fear How? and loathing in Las Vegas bit. Boom. Yes. Yes. There we go. Yes. 100%. Um, with Animal as, uh, as, as Dr. Gonzo. Yeah. Oh, that man. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, like, every, every scene that we've talked about, Gonzo does at least one thing, like photograph people's knees or, like, gets his <laughs> nose stuck in an elevator door. Right. Yeah. He's, he's just huh. firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, so feeling dejected and morose and directionless, Kermit takes the glass slipper with him and sits on a park bench where he is visited by none other than Peter Falk. Playing a tramp. And playing a tramp. <laughs> it's just a beautiful meeting of two cinematic legends. Uh, it's just another great joke of like, I know your story. I know exactly your story. Like you and your brother tried to open a car wash and then another <laughs> car wash opened down the street and it didn't work out. And then your brother joined the circus and then you had to sell the car wash to the guy who opened the rival car wash. And Kermit's like, no, <laughs> none of that happened. And he's like, great. You want to buy a watch? And he's like, no, <laughs> he's like these actors. <laughs> and it's <just> like, leaves. <laughs> yeah. No, really, really beautiful use of Peter Falk. Oh God, he's the um, best. This is like the height of his Columbo era, too. Like, yeah, like he's in, he's in, he's in like Columbo specials era at this point. Yeah, this I love that. Biggest, I love that Columbo. Like, yeah, oh please, uh, Columbo's having this like renaissance. Like Gen Z has discovered mm. Columbo, mm-hmm. and that's great. He's the best. Well, it's just so unlike anything given on TV right now where it's just like cozy and there's not eight episodes. There's like hundreds of them and you can just turn them on and just, it's the same structure every time. And it's yeah. never a Columbo where they're like, well, let's mix it up. <laughs> yeah. And they're all self-contained. Like you don't have to watch them in any kind of order. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's, it's amazing. That's I, was this the biggest guest star in the movie at the time? Arguably the biggest cameo. Uh, it would either be him or John Cleese, right? Yeah, John Cleese was pretty legendary at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I guess. I guess Peter Usinov. Yeah, I. In terms of like the cameos, yeah. I would say it's either Peter Falk or John Cleese. Okay. Yeah. No. The For American uh, audiences, so yeah. it might be Peter Falk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we already covered a lot of the scene already, but we get uh, Piggy tries to make it up, tries to get Kermit to. Uh, Forgive her for lying to him, and we get that great fight they have. I love, you know, we cover like walk, walk, then go, just do it. But like <laughs> the part where her back is to the camera, and Piggy's like, "I'm trying my best." And yeah, it's, see, it's so they're so three dimensional. It's such a beautiful yeah. relationship. That scene in particular mm-hmm. makes me raise an eyebrow to Steve Whitmire's like whole disgust with the ABC Muppets show. Of like Kermit wouldn't yeah. act like that, and I'm like, dude, like have you, you you were in yeah. the Great Muppet Caper, like like Kermit could be a jerk sometimes. I don't know, like that was like what was funny about it is like every once in a while he would just get fed up and like have like a yeah. little bit of a jerk moment, and he would apologize, of course, because he's Kermit, but like he would get like stressed out enough that he would like yell at somebody, <laughs> you know. It's it's always fun to look at the relationship between Kermit and Miss Piggy, or even Kermit and Fozzie, and look at it as Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, I mean, like, they butted heads plenty, I'm sure. Like, yeah. I'm sure they had fights like this. Oh, yeah. It's just these these 
these two people who have been together have been doing this for so long. Yeah. There's this great um, outtake from the Muppet movie of Fozzie and Kermit like sitting on a tree talking to one another, and Kermit's trying to explain to Fozzie that he's not a real bear. <laughs> and yeah. it's just such a fun little <laughs> dynamic. And I'm like, I'm like, that's Henson and Oz right there. Yes. Like, there are these moments where it's just the it's just these two guys. Yeah. I it's mean Frank, beautiful, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Frank Gauss talks about how like, you know, when he's the thing that he he figured out with Miss Piggy, um, in, in regards to like because like, you know, the whole like Miss Piggy being obsessed with Kermit was like a later addition, as we talked about in the Muppet mm-hmm. movie. Um, that like finally like made Piggy sort of click into place. And Frank Oz has said, he's like, yeah, Fozzie is my friendship with Jim, but Piggy is the fact that like, yeah, I am absolutely head over heels in love with Jim. Like I, I, I love him so much. And, and when I miss Piggy, I get to show him that, but also he frustrates me to no end and I get yeah. to show him that too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I eye him across the camera. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's always fun to see that kind of like come out in those performances. Yeah. 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 Uh, then we get, yeah, the uh, breathtaking bicycle sequence where Kermit's doing tricks. He's like balancing on the bike we get all the muppets on their own individual bikes i mean i love the rats yeah they're like three part tandem bike it's incredible yeah that they they did that because they did that also with the luggage they had the the little oh, mechanical right, yeah. rats like <laughs> yeah, bringing little... in the luggage <laughs> and yeah. they did it i would again love to the, see like the, the look on the guy the head of the prop department's face when they pitched the scene like, are you are you crazy like what what i'm sorry what because it's not even just all the muppets on the bikes which is impressive enough but then it's like yeah. even before that when it's literally just piggy and kermit there's that bit yeah. where piggy like kermit is is riding his bike in a circle and then piggy is doing it on the outside of him and then they cross through yeah, each other yeah. and you're just like how are you doing this Th- that that's that's the magician uh putting the hula hoop around the levitating yeah. assistant like yeah. that's that's yeah. that moment of like yeah it's yeah. A, it's just a flex it's unbelievable so impressive i'm i'm glad you called it out scott because you know just watching this movie for the first time the little button at the end of the sequence is when they're riding a bicycle and there's like children right behind them yeah and it's so simple and it's not even, but I'm just like, wait, wow. Like they're, there's like, they're just like, Hey, look, just so you know, like, look, they're not even in the frame by themselves. There's like real <laughs> kids on real bikes too. Yeah. It's, and it's so it's, easy looking, but you yeah. know, it's not. Yeah. It's their way of, of talking to everyone at home who thinks they had the bicycle scene figured out, like <laughs> thinks they figured out how they did it and went, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> or maybe oh, even man. if you did you're not gonna figure this one out yeah yeah <laughs> um but but it's also like you said nick it goes th- past you you know unless you're really thinking about it it goes yeah. right past you in the same way of like the weak ass uh teleporting man trick in the prestige you know sure yeah where yeah. if you don't yeah. know like you're yeah. just like, oh yeah, they're riding your bikes. Okay, cool, whatever. I don't. I, right. Yeah. Like but, if you're five watching this on the floor, you're not like, whoa, Jim Henson's a genius. Yeah. You're just like, but oh, if yeah, you're a fellow ma- magician, you're just like, I just saw the greatest magic trick I have ever yeah. seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and, and that, that's yeah. where my appreciation comes in. It's like ha- having had such a hard time 
one of the scenes I was in, I was operating a puppet that was sitting on the edge of someone's desk. And they had to cram me under a desk with a dowel rod to, to operate the character's mouth. And it's like it, just a simple thing like that was an all day event where I was in the most uncomfortable position possible. And then it's like you watch something like this and you go, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> right. <laughs> it's like I, I, uh, I, I'm nobody like this is like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like the first time you try animating like a ball, a ball bouncing and you yeah. realize like, oh, my gosh, like every animation Every animated film is like a miracle. It's yeah. magic. Yeah. 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 Um, so we cut to the fashion show. Uh, Lady Holiday's having a, a, a showcase role of her her boutique looks. Uh, this is where we get Groden and Piggy's big, like him trying to seduce her <laughs> and the passion. And it's like, yeah, he's just, he's horny for Miss Piggy without shame <laughs> or reservation. Yeah. That, that's always funny to me when a human character falls for Miss Piggy. It's yeah. the best. And just goes for it. Yeah. Um, I, I also love the tension when, when Kermit comes in from the back and he goes, oh, this is my special friend. He's like, I see. He's a frog. You know, like, <laughs> so. <laughs> it it's it's funny, too, when they oscillate back and forth between acknowledging the fact that they're frogs and pigs and bears and shit and then not at all. Mm-hmm. Like, right, right. Yeah. Where they like don't bat an eye to a fact that there's a frog walking around in clothes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they know he's a frog. They accept that <laughs> yeah. he's a frog. Yes, but it's not yeah. weird. Uh, and then we uh, get the uh, secret eye swimming sequence. Um, yeah, which is insane. A- another thing that, like, as a kid, I was like, "Oh, okay," but like now, I'm like, "What the fuck? How? Yeah. What?" Yeah. <laughs> Who would sign off on that? It's like, <laughs> yeah. like as like whoever's funding this, like it's like no, absolutely not. That's going to be impossible. It's going to take so much time and money. No, no. <laughs> what are you trying to prove? Everyone <laughs> knows you're the best at this. Yeah. And it's a it's a really funny song. Like the lyrics are so ridiculous if you actually listen to them. <laughs> yes. Uh, I also like just... when when uh, when when Grodin later like frames Here's... Piggy. When he frames yeah. Piggy and she's like getting taken away from the cops, and she's like, "No, it was him. You, you don't even have a good singing voice. We had to dub you." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing. Uh, uh, so good. Yeah, that's I think when that scene is when Groden is going full tilt. Yeah, when he's like, "No, no, I didn't do it." Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. So uh, Piggy gets arrested um, and framed for the the jewel thefts. We can see kind of not unlike this past summer's Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, where Piggy uh, is like, hey, there's a visit from your lawyer. And it's like, I don't have a lawyer. And it's Kermit in disguise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did, that's I so funny. Places. Kermit in disguise is always funny. Yeah. It's like, yeah. how many how many of them are there? Like, <laughs> well, there's at least two. <laughs> We don't well, yeah, count Fozzie. The most wanted. There's at yep. least two. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kermit has this line where it's like, "Yeah, you may act, you know, all cool right now, Miss Piggy, but I know deep down you're that same pig that I met, you know, demure and beautiful, scarfing down caviar." <laughs> like, oh, I love you, Whitlock. Yeah. Or whatever his name was. Yeah, you have you have such a way with words. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I just love that that voice comes out of Frank Oz, man. Like. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. yeah. Just knowing so, that that's... And, and it's one of those things where that's one of the voices he will he like never does in person. Right. Uh, like yeah. you never see Frank Oz do Miss Piggy. No, he won't do it because he he we talked about this last week. He is a firm believer of never breaking the magic. He keeps kayfabe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah, he won't break the magic. Jim would break it whenever he wanted, but <laughs> Frank wouldn't do it. Yeah. When you're God, you don't really, you don't care. Yeah. It's whatever. It's all yeah. Good, but... yeah. I wonder if he'd do Yoda. I wonder if he's more precious about Yoda, because it's not really like... No, he still won't do Yoda. He's he's very precious with Yoda, actually. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he just started doing the voice of Yoda again with Last Jedi. That was like the first time he had done Yoda in like, I mean, like since the prequels, you know? Yeah, so, that's wow. beautiful, yeah. too. He always puts it on ice. I'd be like, mm, knives out I'm making. <laughs> that's got to hurt, too, man. Like, that's got to yeah. take its toll. Yeah. Be like 80 or whatever. It's in the it's in the fuzzy realm, though. Um, it's a little It's just the graveliness of it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. But it's like, like I don't know, you hear Yearly Smith trying to do Marge Simpson, and you're like, this hurts. Yeah. That's yeah, true. Yeah. That's true. Um, oh, my also, I love every moment. Speaking of Frank Oz, I love every moment that Sam the Eagle shows up in this movie. Oh, it's so great! Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the part where they're having their big come to Jesus meeting with everybody, and okay, well, 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 first we get the great monologue where it's like, all right, you know, I'm not gonna lie, there could be gunfire, there could be violence, some of us may be killed. If there's anyone who doesn't want to do it, you know, say say something now. And the guitar player for the Lecture Mayhem's like, I don't want to do it. And then Rolf doesn't want to do it. And then they all don't want to do it. And then Fozzie's like, shame on you. <laughs> Fozzie, Fozzie's delivery, man. Like, there's there's that one throwaway gag when they're drinking champagne. And he's like, hey, if you put enough sugar in this stuff, it tastes just like ginger ale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but then once they, but then like you know, what he Faza gives this big heroic speech, and they're all back in. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Kurt, blah, blah blah. And then Sam just opens the door, and he goes, "I'm proud to be an American." And then there's a wide shot of them all seeing him close the door. <laughs> uh, and just something about that is it, just. I yeah, think it's great. I think every instance of Sam in this movie is him uh, poking through a door. Yeah, I believe. Closing, yeah. Uh, You're all weirdos. Yeah, I, I I really like that. Though because of Sam the Eagle's uh, inclusion in this movie, there is a a popular fan theory that the Happiness Hotel is a CIA uh, safe house. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a great. That's a fun fan theory. I love that. <laughs> uh, uh, we also get the fun, uh, you know, a joke that isn't done for too, uh, enough these days, in my opinion. When there's like a big rabble. And then they get him to quiet down, and one person, it turns out, is just talking about nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get Janice being like, so I said, Mom, it's my life. If I want to be naked, I'll do it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Um, I, I did want to, speaking of Janice, we, we mentioned this uh, last week. There was that, oh, yes. that, throwaway, yes, that throwaway line about, about uh, uh, Floyd calling uh, Janet his girl. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, we were like, wait, they date? What? When did that happen? And I've been rewatching the ABC Muppet show, um, the, yep. the, the Muppets. Um, uh, and they're dating on that as well. But then there was a joke 
about how Janet doesn't like labels and and Miss Dr. Teeth is like, yeah, she didn't like labels when we were dating either. And, and Floyd is like, was like, wait, you dated, you dated Janet as well? And Animal's like, me, Janet, me, Janet, <laughs> Janet. Yeah. And, and Floyd, oh, that's rough. And, man. and then, and Floyd is just like, why didn't you ever tell me? And, and Janet's just like, you never asked, man. Like, you know, that kind, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah. Um, apparently, it's I noticed- a running gag, uh, at, le- at the very least. I noticed during the big group bicycle sequence that Janice and uh, Floyd were sharing a tandem bike. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, Oh, we got distracted by Peter Falk and we forgot a really, really great joke of Kermit on the bench where the the guy and the and the girl they walk by and and the girl is like, look, dad, a bear. And he's like, no, that's a frog. Bears wear hats. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) that's that's Jerry Nelson. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, the voice daughter. of Floyd, um, and and you know Count, Count Von Clown, Count and uh, and Doc and uh, 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 Robin, um, lots of lots of voices, um, and that is his daughter, uh, who uh, actually uh, unfortunately she she passed away like six months later, um, oh, no. from like uh, oh, c- wow. cystic fibrosis. Um, so and the, there was the, this great story in the um, the uh, Jim Henson biography about how. Uh, when she was really going through it, um, they, uh, the Muppet Workshop's insurance company was like, hey, we're not going to pay for this anymore. It's too expensive. Um, we've, we've done all we can. Uh, sorry. Uh, and Jim Henson was like, oh, okay. And then he fired their insurance company and brought and then, then just shopped around to other insurance companies until someone agreed to continue paying for her hospital bills. And then it was like a uh, pretty, it was a much more expensive insurance company, but he paid the difference and then got it done. And, uh, and Jerry Nelson like came to Jim and was just like, Oh my God, like, thank you so much. You don't know what this means to me. And he was, and his response was just like, that's what insurance companies are supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's just like, like, it's the best. Like Jim was the yeah, best. Yeah. He was just the best. Yeah. Uh, like, he has we, a we don't deserve yeah. Jim Henson. Yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim has a Jim and... had one in the uh, yeah in the um, the dinner place, whatever the what did you call it? Uh, the social club. The social club, right? In the social club, um, and then Frank Oz was in the newsroom. Um, oh, like, really? Yeah, he was right behind Gonzo when Gonzo was like, "Stop the presses!" And like Frank Oz is That's... like, "Whoa!" <laughs> this, <laughs> this is like the skinny guy in a mustache. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, we get a fun sequence where the thieves and the Muppets are going over their respective checklists. And it's like, you know, peanut butter, uh, toilet paper, you know, just like classic Muppet Muppet buffoonery. Right. <laughs> um, I, I really love I think this is, you know, going back to this being kind of like my platonic ideal of a Muppet movie is like they move as a unit. Mm-hmm. They are just in one big clump this entire <sighs> final sequence it's so again it's so geek by night oh my god i love it i love it so much i love when they're like all right everybody (laughs) disguise is on and they all put on (laughs) the glasses with the fake nose (laughs) and the mustache yeah uh (sighs) they do the pizza bit i love how like every muppet kind of gets like a thing like rolf you know talks to the guard dogs like wow 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 and they're like and they just like 
Like, oh, yeah, it helps us speak a second language. <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> uh, I always love when Rolf can speak, dog. It's such a good, it's such a good bit. Yeah. Uh, but Piggy is just like, just aces this whole. I mean, when she like pulls the bars with her brute strength, oh, and yeah. then like ste- steals Peter Usinoff's truck and does like the the breaker breaker like radio <laughs> talk. Yeah. Asking if there's any cops on the highway so she can yeah. speed. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best. Um, also, uh, a great Oscar the Grouch cameo. We always get yeah. we always get one Sesame Street member uh, in in these movies. This one's yeah. this one's Oscar. Good old uh, Carol, Carol Spinney. Spinney. Yeah. Yep. 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 R.I.P. Um, uh, it's yeah. Him and Peter Ustinov have like a cameo, the dual cameo off. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, what does he say? Love... What is the what is the third wall or the fourth wall breaking moment where he like looks at the like, camera? What are you doing? Like, what are you doing here? Like, oh, I'm I'm here for a cameo. Like, oh, me too. Yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, kind of low key, a really crazy sequence is uh, Piggy uh, on a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot Wild of shit, Piggy body, du- like full size human body doubles in this movie. Um, so yeah. funny yeah so funny <laughs> like there the was best. there was that one scene in the muppet movie when they did that when she was on roller skates that cracks me completely up every time i see it <laughs> yeah it's just so absurd and so <laughs> jarring or no it's uh muppet takes manhattan i think is yeah she's on the roller skates. okay yeah it, it's really it's it, it's also um it always reminds me too of like whenever they have like chucky in the child's play movies be played by right. like a person in a suit for like yeah. a, like an over the head shot or something like that. And it's that. like it's it's like a, it's for a second and it just like it'll it'll just pull you completely out of the story. Yeah. It's just like whoa. Yeah, it like yeah. pushes your ghost out of your body for a second. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh and I love when when Piggy in the motorcycle just crashes through the window at the nick of time and saves Kermit from Charles Grodin and they have that big fight scene. Um And yeah, it's great. They uh you know, the cops come uh, they arrest the bad guys, and uh, the day the day is saved, yeah. and they uh, they all go back to New York on a plane, and they get chucked out of the plane <laughs> on parachutes, and, yeah. and, and that's the end credits. Yeah, um, I love this movie. It's uh, it, it's like my platonic ideal Muppet movie. Um, it's just like it's so funny. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I, uh, you know, beyond just like the amazing, like puppetry that's going on, the thing that is really impressive to me is like the fact that it, the masterful puppetry work is all is matched by like really good cinematography. So like the movie looks great. Um, yeah. just, it looks great puppets aside. Uh, and and the fact that it it looks this great and it's it's a movie starring a bunch of puppets is just it's the best it's the best it's it's always a fun thing when you can ground puppets in the real world because when you're working with puppets you're you're essentially shooting a live action cartoon mm-hmm. and you have to keep thinking of it that way but when you can kind of ground everything else including the cinematography and everything else. And just make it cartoons in the real world. That's that's where that's where that magic happens. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. man. Well, uh, yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun filling in this gap of my my Muppet history, 
And yeah, I mean, like the jokes, everything holds up like gangbusters and it's just such a delight, such a romp. Yeah. Oh, man. I love this movie. Um, but I'm very excited to revisit Muppet Seeing Manhattan next week. Um, I'm jealous of you guys. You gave me the choice between this and that one, and I'm going to be out of town when you guys are recording Muppets Take Manhattan. Uh, uh, so enjoy that. Yes. We will. That's definitely one that I, I watched a lot as a kid and would rent all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, also, I, I I can't help but point this out. I'll probably point it out again next week. But uh, uh, a weird thing in common with uh, with with uh, Muppets Take Manhattan and uh, Spider-Man 3 some some commonalities. One, they both take place in New York. Two, sure. they're both the third film in the series. And three, they both feature a prominent plot about amnesia. Um, so nice. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> hey, buddy, I hit my head. <laughs> Muppet Sick Manhattan was one of those movies. Um, I used to go on this vacation every year where it was like us and another family would get together and it was like a two week long vacation. And there was just there was this weird tradition where someone would bring a movie that we would watch once a day for two straight weeks. Like one year it was Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm. We watched Mrs. Doubtfire 14 times while on vacation. And the one year it was uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. We watched it probably multiple times a day for two straight weeks. Yeah. Wow. I barely remember the plot of Muppets Take Manhattan. I feel like Muppets Take Manhattan is a lot more like sketchy. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, and and I'm excited to find out next week. Um, I, pr- well, I the whole seen thing it is years. they're they're trying to sell a play. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I just remember like the scenes being a little more disconnected. Uh, yeah, a little being a little more of the style of the Muppet movie, where it's like yeah. you're getting like little little sketches, kind of like laced together with a a loose plot. Um, mm-hmm. and there isn't quite as much flexing. If I'm remembering correctly, as far as like, you know, the big underwater scene, sure. the big bicycle scene. Well, it's not it, it's not Jim. And Frank is a lot more pragmatic <laughs> than yeah, Jim. Yeah. So <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Honestly, I'm really uh, this conversation really makes me want to go back and visit uh, the Dark Crystal. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm second guessing our, our choice for uh, franchise potential. And I'm wondering if that's what we should do instead. Oh, you don't want to watch happy time murder. I really kind of don't as no, much no. as, as, as much as a fucking like, nightmare. Yeah. As much as I'm like, well, it's Brian Hansen. It was, a dream. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I want to watch what could probably be the worst franchise potential <laughs> episode we ever do. Um, or the there, worst movie some, that we ever have to watch for franchise potential. There's something about puppets and vulgarity that just don't work. I completely don't work. agree. I completely agree. There is there is a a a uh, uh, like a quarterly live Muppet show at M- the Muppet Studios, which is like a block away from my apartment, and they do it quarterly. And I should be so excited to go, but it's called Muppets like Unleashed or something like that. And it's it's like you know the picture is like a a nude Muppet like streaking, mm. and I'm just like I don't want yeah, that it do- vibe. It doesn't, like that doesn't it doesn't work. It just doesn't. For some reason, Brian Henson finds this hilarious, um, and that was the that was the biggest problem we had with the project that I was working on is we had no idea who our audience was. 
Yeah. And like when we first started, we were trying to do we were trying to be edgy. And we we were we had like a bunch of swearing and and stuff and then like we were like table reading I'm like this just doesn't work. It, mm-hmm. It's it's better to to try to hit somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And and try to capture like both a sophisticated audience but you you can have kids in the room and be fine. Like mm-hmm. And and that's that's where the Muppets nailed that on the head um, with these movies. It's just it's the perfect everybody audience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Adam, thanks so much for being on the show, sharing your your puppet knowledge with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my 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 little bit of puppet knowledge that I do have. <laughs> it's it's always fun to talk about this stuff. It was it was a wild time. And well, thanks for having me. Knowledge that you have uh, a lot of that you could share with everyone on a weekly basis is comic books. Tell people where they can hear that. Yeah, you can hear me on uh, on Tales from the Short Box every Wednesday. Although I, I we're on we're on hiatus at the moment. I don't know. Not by the time this when... airs, I don't think. Or maybe you'll be on another hiatus. Who knows? Uh, maybe who knows? <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, every week we we get together. We talk about um, my co-hosts. Uh, Casey, Sean, and RJ and I, uh, we talk shop. We we uh, do a, a recap of all the stuff that came out last week that we really like, and then we do a big top story where we pick like an all-time favorite that we, we all sit around and talk about. We we just um, did our season finale where I got everybody to read Tank Girl, which was a lot of fun. Um, we did... Uh, We've been doing this thing lately where we we do back-to-back episodes where we take a classic take on a character and then a more modern take. And we did um, Jack Kirby's Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen and Matt Fraction's Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. And that was an Ooh. absolute romp. That's that, a lot of fun. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a fun compare and contrast for sure. Yeah, that was a <laughs> lot of reading. A lot of reading. But yeah. like... Yeah, I think it was like over uh, the span of two weeks, I had to read like 30 issues of Jimmy Olsen. It was nuts. <laughs> wow. Well, now, you, now you're a Jimmy Olsen expert. Did yeah. you read the one where he has to collect Superman's tears in a vial? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was probably from the 50s, the 50s, like Silver Age one. Got um, it. Got it. Yeah. But anyway. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much uh, for listening, everyone. And uh, we, you know, uh, join the Patreon if you're not on there. DuelingGenre.com slash support helps us out, of course. And next week, uh, we will be back with The Muppets Take Manhattan. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. mystery and catastrophe. But it's all in fun. You pay the money. Wait and see.